Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's 9.30 in 716. The no-name New York Times op-ed piece continues to dominate the news agenda. So if the failing New York Times has an anonymous editorial, can you believe it? Anonymous. Meaning gutless. A gutless editorial. And I think the New York Times should be ashamed. And I think whoever wrote this anonymous editorial should also be ashamed as well. If, if you're not in a position to execute the commander's intent, you have a singular option. It is to leave. Is it a good journalistic move by the New York Times? That is going to intensify the support Trump gets from the voters who sent him to Washington. I'm Tim Wenger on 9:30 in 716. Damage control from the White House following the release of an unprecedented letter published in the New York Times from an anonymous senior administration official. Numerous cabinet officials denying the claims it was them as the president questions whether the letter was treasonous. Jonathan Carl following it all. As he left the White House, President Trump didn't say a single word about the enemy within. Mr. President, are you going to find out who wrote the op-ed? But ever since the New York Times published the anonymous essay, the president has been seething. So if the failing New York Times has an anonymous editorial, can you believe it? Anonymous, meaning gutless, a gutless editorial. In the essay, the unnamed senior administration official describes President Trump's leadership as impetuous, adversarial, petty, and ineffective, adding the root of the problem is the president's amorality. The official claims there were early whispers within the cabinet of invoking the 25th Amendment, which would start a complex process for removing the president. The writer says there is now a quiet resistance within the administration, and that many senior officials are working diligently from within to frustrate parts of the president's agenda and his worst inclinations. As the White House tries to figure out who wrote the essay, the denials from senior officials are pouring in, more than a dozen, from Defense Secretary James Mattis to Attorney General Jeff Sessions to the Secretary of State. Uh, I come from a place where if, if you're not in a position to execute the commander's intent, you have a singular option, and it's to leave. Throughout Washington, people are now mining the essay for clues that might reveal its author, some zeroing in on the word lodestar, noting it is a word that often appears in speeches by Vice President Pence. And even he felt the need to say it wasn't him. Well, I think it's a disgrace. And I think the New York Times should be ashamed. And I think whoever wrote this anonymous editorial should also be ashamed as well. The First Lady is now accusing the writer of, quote, sabotaging the country. And the president is demanding the Times reveal the official's identity, tweeting, The Times must, for national security purposes, turn him, her over to government at once. With the paper's editors saying they won't do that, Press Secretary Sarah Sanders tweeted, If you want to know who the gutless loser is, call the opinion desk of the failing New York Times. In a few minutes, you'll hear all the president had to say about the op-ed piece. But first, some political analysis. This is arrogance 
from Washington. This is the uh, reason Trump supporters sent uh, Donald Trump to Washington in the first place. Alex Castellanos is a regular contributor to WBEN and tells Susan and Brian this all may backfire on the Times and Democrats. The message in the op-ed was, don't worry voters, we know you elected Donald Trump and set him up here, but rest easy tonight, Uh, we're still in charge. We still run the place. We still uh, decide to take things off the president's desk. We're going to keep him from being too disruptive. And that is going to intensify the support Trump gets from the voters who sent him to Washington. You know, Alex, I was just thinking, and, and the president kind of mentioned this last night in Billings, Montana, this could actually backfire on the Times, right? It, and, and be it to his advantage. It could. It will, it's going to confirm Trump supporters' fears that the Washington crowd, those people who put their, themselves first, they, who value their own re-elections more than what's good for the country, this is going to, put, uh, uh, this is going to confirm their fears that those people aren't really caring about us, they care about themselves. But it is going to hurt Trump and Republicans in one sense, and that is swing voters, suburban voters of the 30 districts that are the key districts where you have, let's say, 28 of them have Republican incumbents in them this year. Of those districts, those are the highest educated uh, districts that have the most suburban voters. Those voters are going to look at this and say, wow, if Trump has people working for him who thinks he's going too far, then maybe I should tap the brake pedal against Trump this uh, November, too. Maybe I should send a Democrat to Congress. So this is going to hurt Republicans. Uh, Do you think, you know, in reading this op-ed piece, uh, a lot of people would say, okay, the uh, job of a lot of these people the president puts into place is to advise the president to help the country. That's what the person in the op-ed piece says they're doing. They're just doing so not with the will of Trump. Uh, Do you think that expression, that feeling that was expressed in the op-ed piece in the New York Times is maybe more widespread than we would think within Trump's own inner circle and cabinet? I do think it's widespread, but it's it's so widespread that we see it everywhere in Washington. There isn't a Senate office in Washington where the staffers won't tell you, boy, I have to spend my entire day keeping my boss from screwing things up, and he's changing his mind all the time. As a matter of fact, I bet you you and I both have worked for bosses who who change their minds at the last minute and are erratic, and it's kind of the way life works. So, yeah, this is their job, uh, but this is bigger. This is Washington is polarized. You're either pro-Trump or anti-Trump, and that's what everything is about. What do you make of the denial after denial from senior staff and cabinet members yesterday? This is turning into an incredible game of who did it. And that's the real damage, Susan, that this is doing. When you have a list of 27 people now, I think, who've denied they did it, uh, that means you have 27 suspects. That means that there are at least 27 people at high levels in the Trump administration that the president now fears could be disloyal, who had to deny that they were. That's going to make Trump, I think, even more 
isolated and insulated. He's going to look less for advice. He's going to talk less to people, which is why at the end of the day, uh, I just uh, can't accept the sincerity of this op-ed. This op-ed, the author had to know, would make things worse, not better. President Trump, as you've heard, has addressed the op-ed piece in a scrum with reporters, calling the author of the piece gutless. Here are those complete remarks. There's an anonymous op-ed that says, there's an anonymous op-ed from the New York Times that says, I am part of the resistance inside the Trump administration. Just hey, hey, I asked the sheriffs, can you imagine this? We have somebody in what I call the failing New York Times that's talking about he's part of the resistance within the Trump administration. This person this works is what we have to deal with. And, you know, the dishonest media, because you people deal with it as well as I do. But it's really a disgrace. Uh, I, I will say this. Nobody has done what this administration's done in terms of getting things passed and getting things through. A article was just printed, just came out a few minutes ago. Trump breaks the record for budget gridlock wins, scores big wins. So for 20 years, it's a 20-year record. The 20-year record, they call it the fouled-up budget gridlock and scores big win. Here's your thing. So this just came out. So in 20 years, uh, it hasn't been like it is now. It's we broke, we broke it. That's just really positive stuff. And then in addition to that, point after point after point, if you look, uh, almost 4 million jobs created since the election, of which many of you than ever recorded in our history. So we have more people working today than at any point ever in our history. We've created 400,000 manufacturing jobs. Manufacturing jobs are growing at the fastest pace in more than 30 years. Economic growth last quarter was 4.2 percent. And as you people know, it was headed down big. And it was a low number, very low number. It would have been, in my opinion, it would have been less than zero. It was heading to negative numbers. New employment claims recently hit a, think of that, the unemployment picture in the country is the best it's been in 49 years. African-American unemployment lowest in the history of our country. Asian-American unemployment lowest in the history of our country. Hispanic-American unemployment lowest in the history of our country. I mean, I'm just looking at these, just point after point. Uh, under my administration, veterans' unemployment reached its lowest in many, many years. The, uh, let's see, almost 3.9 million Americans have been lifted off food stamps just since my election. Then you go into all of the benefits that we got from the tax cuts. All of you people benefited tremendously from the tax cuts. Thank you. You go into right to try. Right to try is where you have the right, if a person's terminally ill, you have a right to go and try and see whether or not uh, a drug that's uh, not approved yet can be used and utilized. They didn't allow that. A point after point, getting rid of the individual mandate, the most unpopular thing there is in Obamacare, coming up with new health care plans, 
We've never had a period, even if you look at the Olympics, got the Olympics, the uh, World Cup just got, you just saw them, they were in my office, got the World Cup. Nobody has, and we have started the wall. Nobody has ever done in less than a two-year period what we've done. So when you tell me about some anonymous source within the administration, probably who's failing and probably here for all the wrong reasons, no. And the New York Times is failing. If I weren't here, I believe the New York Times probably wouldn't even exist. And, and someday, and someday when I'm not president, which hopefully will be in about six and a half years from now, the New York Times and CNN and all of these phony media outlets will be out of business, folks. They'll be out of business because there'll be nothing to write, and there'll be nothing of interest. So nobody has done what this administration has done. And I agree, it's different from an agenda, which is much different than ours, and it's certainly not your agenda, that I can tell you. It's about open borders. It's about letting people flee into our country. It's about a disaster and crime for our country. So they don't like Donald Trump, and I don't like them because they're very dishonest people. Remember this also about the New York Times. When I won, they were forced to apologize to their subscribers. They wrote a letter of apology. It was the first time anybody's ever done it because they covered the election incorrectly. So if the failing New York Times has an anonymous editorial, can you believe it? Anonymous, meaning gutless, a gutless editorial. Uh, we're doing a great job. The poll numbers are through the roof. Our poll numbers are great. And guess what? Nobody is going to come close to beating me in 2020 because of what we've done. We've done more than anybody ever thought possible in — it's not even two years. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. course on this next week we're back monday that's 9 30 in 716 we're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of wben buffalo <sighs> spring is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact choose from premium blinds shades and shutters we even have options for your patio too Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.